And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting that I might celebrate and be glad, for your brother was dead, and now he is alive. He was lost, and he is found. Now, one of my first observations from reading this interaction between the father's son is, these guys are not on the same page, okay? We have a father who is joy-filled, over the moon that his son is back. He's returned to him. There's nothing else more important to him than just having his son back. But on the other hand, we have a son who's enraged that the father would allow a, a wayward son to come back to him. And this, this seriously confuses me because in this culture, the father-son relationship is sacred. The sons are supposed to glean and learn and attach themselves to the fathers. They're supposed to share one heart. So how did the older brother end up just completely ignoring the heart of his father? On one hand, a father responds to the sins, the sins of this younger son by telling him, you belong again. You're desired. You are forgiven and redeemed. But on the other hand, we have a, an older son who responds to the younger son by saying, you got what you deserved. How dare you go wasting what was supposed to be mine? And why haven't I gotten anything for my work? Church, in all honesty, I think my initial response would be the same. I think the response of the older brother is one that portrays the flesh very well. It manifests in something that we all fall victim to very often, and it's cynicism. The attitude of the older son is a heart of cynicism. Now, Webster defines cynics as a fault-finding, captitious critic. Um, I didn't know what captitious meant, so I had to Google that one too. But uh, as you can see on the screen, captitious means to find fault or raise a petty objection. And if we look back at the scripture at, at verse 28, he says that he was angry. He was refused to go in. He said, you never gave me anything. I always listened to you. How come I'm not getting what I deserved? This guy's the worst. Why'd you celebrate him? And, and that sounds a lot like a critical older son. That sounds a lot like a critic to me. But let's think about our own lives, Kay, first. This is the tendency of all of us. We tend to forget who we are and who we have access to like this older brother did. We find ourselves in the shoes of the older brother all the time, complaining, why didn't we get what somebody else got? Why haven't I been recognized when somebody else did? And why didn't so-and-so get what they deserved? Cynicism plays a really big role in the picture of this parable, but it also plays a big picture of our lives when we choose to listen to our flesh rather than the Holy Spirit. Do we have any older siblings in the house? Yeah, okay, sweet, me too. I'm an older sibling, and I bet you guys have all been through this, where we were the guinea pigs, and our younger siblings, oh, they got off the hook, man. We had to wait till, what, I had to wait till I was like 17 or 18 until I had to drive. My brother's sitting here, he knows how young he was. He's like, yeah, I was on the road, I was whipping at 15, you were out here waiting like a chump. But, but that's what happens, right? That's what happens, we start comparing ourselves, we start comparing this game, and all jokes aside, Let's be real here, an attitude of cynicism changes the way we think about people. The older brother accuses his, his brother of devouring a father's property with prostitutes and, and all these things, but the truth is we don't even know if that's fact or not. The only narrative we hear of what the younger brother did is from the mouth of the older brother. The older son had postured his heart with an attitude of cynicism towards his brother, and when this younger brother returns, his response shows that heart. Matthew 15 tells us, whatever comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil things, blah, 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 false witness and slander. Those are the really big things that we see in this response from the, from the brother. 
Now, now paint this picture in your head again. Dad, I never saw him do it, but I bet he was hiring out prostitutes. Dad, I never saw him actually do it, but I swear he was living out a lascivious lifestyle. And on top of that, I never did any of those things, so where is my party? Where is my Chick-fil-A catering? I want to have fun with my friends. That, that's Matthew 15 in a nutshell for me. If we don't allow the Holy Spirit to renew our heart and mind, cynicism will ferment in our hearts until it overflows from our mouths. Now, I, I want to talk briefly about a couple artists who just didn't receive some immense backlash after coming out as Christians. And uh, for those of you that know or don't know, uh, Justin Bieber and Kanye West a couple years back came out as, as Christians and, and followers of Christ. And the amount of backlash I saw, not only just from like church, but even in my own school sometimes, was insane. It, it was super worrying to me that it was Christians that were slamming these guys the most. Now, I, I don't think it's like not obvious, if you come out as a Christian in today's culture, especially Hollywood, you're not getting any brownie points. These guys are already losing a fan base by claiming that they're Christians. But then on top of that, they are getting so much hate from Christians, and this is not the heart of the Father. We should be praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We should be praying for those who have just begun this journey. Now, I'm not saying Kanye and Bieber are model Christians. Okay, let me, let me put that out here. But I know I'm not, and you're not either and we still pray for each other, and we still encourage each other when we've made mistakes. And when a brother or sister in Christ has come out and wants to follow this path, we encourage them. That's what we're called to do, K-First. We need to catch the heart of the Father this way. We're all sinners. We've all sinned before the eyes of the Lord like the younger son. You, me, Pastor Dave, Kanye, all of us, we've all fallen short but I don't serve a God, and we don't serve a God who measures us by our greatest falls in life. He sees us while we are still a great way off and comes running to embrace us, and this is the heart of the Father. The older son did all of the right things. He served his father. He didn't cause him grief. He worked diligently, but he missed the heart, and as Christians, we need to realize we can do all of the Christian things. We can attend the church services, we can attend the worship nights, we can go to the prayer meetings, but still miss the heart of the Father. That's what the older son did, and we must be exceptionally cautious that we don't posture our hearts the same way. We as a church must be careful that we're not allowing the pictures of our lives to be shaped by the brushes of cynicism. This includes the pictures we paint of ourselves and the pictures that we paint of others. So, I hope you guys have got a pretty clear understanding of what the heart of this older son looks like, and I would hope that we all are at a point where this is not the heart we're supposed to imitate. Amen? Sweet. Ten people got it. Awesome. So if we're not supposed to imitate this heart, what heart are we supposed to imitate? Well, I'm really glad you asked, because Jesus paints the heart of the Father in this picture as a model for us to imitate. So let's go back to the scripture in Luke 15:20, and let's paint a picture of the Father's heart. And the younger son arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to the father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Can, can you picture this? 
this scene, a father whose son had said, Dad, you're good for nothing. Give me what's coming to me. You're better off dead to me, Dad. He returns to his father, disheveled, defeated, broken, and with absolutely no anticipation of being anything more than a servant. And the father's response is incredible. His response is to restore his son. It's to clothe him. It's to put shoes on his feet. It's to embrace him with mercy and grace. Where we had an older brother who was critical, cutting, and demeaning, we have a father who is eagerly anticipating the return of, our, of his son. And this is who we are to Father God. He is eagerly anticipating our return when we go wayward. Luke 15.10 tells us that there is joy before the angels of God when one sinner, just one sinner, repents. This is the heart of the Father, and this is the heart of God. God is throwing a party in heaven when one child is found again. And that's the gospel message. The, the crazy thing about this is the younger son didn't have to do anything to earn his way back into the good graces of his father. And that's something we need to realize. We're not saved by our works. We're not saved by how much we pray, how much we read the Bible, how many church services we go to, how much we tithe. We are saved by the grace of God through our faith in Christ. If there's one thing we have to do, if there's one thing that the son had to do, it was just take a step back home. His dad was already waiting for him. He just had to start walking back home. And that's all that God asks from us, is that we take one step back towards him. And just watch the way he restores his prodigal son. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but all are justified by grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We're all saved through Christ Jesus. And I love this quote that uh, Charles Spurgeon said in, in regards to the, uh, the prodigal son story. If you come a little way to him, when you are yet a great way off, he will run to meet you. I do not know that the prodigal son saw the father, but I do know that the father saw him. The eyes of mercy are quicker than the eyes of repentance. Even the eyes of our faith are dim when compared to the eyes of God's love. He sees a sinner long before the sinner sees him. Do we need to work on our Christianity? Yes. Do we need to work on our sanctification? Yes. Do we need to work on renewing our minds? Yes, every day. All of those things are amazing, but we don't need to work out our salvation. When we lose this mentality that we have to do so much work, we have to strive so hard, we have to do X, Y, and Z to get back into the good graces of God, when we drop that mentality, we can engage in true intimacy with God because there's no chains attached. There's nothing you have to do. You just have to sit at the feet of Jesus. And this is the heart I want to personally catch more of. And this is the heart of Jesus. And we're commissioned to spread this heart to the ends of the earth. Now, this does raise the question, how do we practically catch the heart of the Father? Because I don't know about you, I kind of want to catch it myself. In Luke 10, 38, we read about the story of Mary and Martha. And I think that the story just depicts in a phenomenal way how simple it is to catch the heart of Jesus. In uh, Luke 38, it reads, As they went on their way, Jesus, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teachings. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has, sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered, Martha, you are concerned and anxious and troubled with many things. 
but only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Mary had caught the heart of Jesus. And you know how she did it? She just sat at the feet of Jesus and listened. She was not concerned about how many entrees are going to be served at dinner, if she's got the fork, spoon, knife, napkin, like orientation all correct. I know I would never get it right. She didn't worry herself with any of these things. She just wanted to be in Jesus' presence. They're going to say to me, okay, cool, that's great. Good for Mary that she was able to sit at the feet of Jesus. But what about me? I can't exactly go, you know, knock on his door and be like, hey, Jesus, can I sit at your feet and listen to you preach to me? Or, you know, for us younger people, we can't pull up Jesus' TikTok and see what he posted today. But you do have something just as close, and I'm actually kind of embarrassed I don't have it. But you have a Bible. This is my Bible today. <laughs> How many times has somebody told you, well, if you just read your Bible and pray more, then you'll get closer to God? And everybody goes, yeah, 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 okay. That's cool. I'll do it. That's great. But how many of us actually do it? I am victim to this just as much as anybody else. Okay, one person. Did. Good job. I'm really proud of you, okay? That's awesome. But let's go one step further. I've got some people who've been sitting in these pews longer than I've been alive. And okay, I got this down. I read my Bible every day. I pray every day. How did Jesus catch the heart of the Father? I want that next level relationship. Okay, sweet. I'm glad you asked me. Mark 1 and Luke 5 tells us that Jesus would frequently wake up early before anyone else was up and go to a solitary place and pray. Jesus had communion with the Father. He would hear from the voice of God. But to do that, he would quiet out every other voice and every other distraction in his life. And that's what we need to do as well. Giving God uninterrupted time to pour into us through the Holy Spirit, this is what's required. This is what Jesus did. And I challenge us as a church to do the exact same thing. Now, I, I don't like waking up early in the morning. They're probably my worst nightmare, actually. You can ask my fiance. Literally, any of you can go and ask her after service. If I tell her I'm going to be at her house to pick her up at like 9 o'clock, she's expecting me at like 9.30, 9.45. Every time. And she's giving me a dirty look, too. So, <laughs> um, But the mornings that I do wake up early, and I put in the effort, I put in the effort to wake up early, I'll like work out, or I'll have dedicated time in prayer, I'll read my Bible. Those mornings, those days are completely different for me. Imitating Jesus and giving God interrupted time to speak to us, these things transform our mindset, our attitudes, and the perspectives that we carry every single day. When there's no room for the Father to speak into us, guess what voices are going to be speaking into your lives? Yeah. Anybody have a guess? It's going to be your work. It's going to be coworkers. If you don't have good ones, I'm blessed with pretty good ones, but if you've got bad ones, they're going to be speaking into your lives. The stress of your family, the stress of culture. Here's a big one, the news. CNN, Fox News, I know some of you love them, but you know they're going to be speaking into you, and whatever they're saying, that's what you're going to hear. Everything else besides God will weigh you down, and that's the heart that you will begin to carry. The voices you allow into your heart will shape every area of your life. So we need to be intentional. We need to be so careful that those voices are not so much of this world, but that of the Father speaking to us. I think we overcomplicate this far too often. Okay, first we say we want to make it simple for people to find and follow Jesus. And do you want to know my two-step process for how to get closer to God? If you've got notes, you want to write this one down. You ready? Pray and read your Bible. That's, that's it. No, for real though, 
If you want to catch the heart of God, why not go to the source? Jesus said that he is the living word. And so if we're reading the Bible, we're reading about Jesus, we are engaging with Jesus as a person. Read the parables. Read the gospels. Read more stories about Jesus and catch the heart of Jesus from the core. Because Jesus is the example for us, we need to learn from the source. And that's how we get in his presence. I hope I haven't beat you guys up too much. Is everybody okay still? Everybody all right? Please tell me you're still here. I know one person is. Okay, awesome. I promise I'll be done really soon. I'll get you guys to Red Robin or Chinese buffets, wherever you're going, really quick. Does anybody go to Chinese buffets still? No? Is it just me? Man, I used to love doing that as a kid. For real, I would sit here and I'd be like, I'm going to be super good during church today. I'm just going to sit here quietly. I'm not going to fall asleep or anything. At the end of service, I'll be like, Dad, can we go to Chinese buffet? I was real good today. That was my favorite. Man, that's kind of sad, but anyways. <laughs> I want to paint one more picture for you guys of two men who really caught the heart of the Father and just how it redefined them. Their names are Peter and John. And they're standing trial before the religious leaders of Israel for healing a crippled man in the name of Jesus. Now, these two men did not have amazing status. They did not have education. They weren't wealthy men. And all these things meant that there was nobody coming to bail them out. They were on their own. And they knew the, the severity of their situation. But... They were with Jesus, and all they knew was they had to share the gospel message. These same religious leaders had crucified Jesus like four chapters ago. They very much knew that death is a possibility in this situation. But when facing these religious leaders, they asked them, why did you proclaim the name of Jesus as Lord? I want to look at their response here. In Acts chapter 4, it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this man standing trial before you, by that man he is well. This Jesus is the stone that you rejected, the builder, which has now become the cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else, for there was no one else under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they perceived that they were uneducated common men, but they were astonished. They recognized that they had been with Jesus, but seeing the man who, had, who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. And this is what the presence of God will do to you. Worship team, if you guys want to come out, I'll stop talking soon. Um, in the face of opposition, th these men could have been killed. Let's not get that confused here. They had, they had nothing going for them. If two men who were uneducated, not wealthy, didn't have any connections, got killed, nobody was really going to bat an eye. They knew the penalty they were facing. But look, the boldness of their response reflected the heart of whom they were with. It says that they knew he was with Jesus. And I don't know who this is for, but I think some of you guys are going through some impossible situations. I know I have as well. You're facing stuff that there's nobody coming to bail you out from. There's things that no man can save you from. But I know I serve a God who is more than capable of empowering you with the strength to face whatever struggles it is that you're dealing with. And all we have to do 
is catch the heart of God. Catch the heart of Jesus. And he'll restore you. He'll put sandals on your feet again. He'll put a ring on your, fi- on your finger. He'll give you an identity as a child of God. And he will celebrate your return. This is the heart of the Father, people. This is the heart of the Father that I serve and that we all serve. He's not one to, here to hammer you down with a nail. He's not one to say, you have to go and do this, this, and this to get it back. And he's not one that carries a heart of cynicism with him. He's one that just openly loves and waits while you're still a long way out for you to return, to clothe you again, to love you again. Now, I think I would be really remiss if I didn't give you guys a chance to practice everything that has been preached here today. So in just a couple seconds, worship team is going to lead us again in, um, in a song that I didn't even know we'd be doing at the end of service, but I can't think of a better song to worship to as, um, as really the focus of today is to stop striving, as Pastor Dave said. It's time to stop doing all of these things to try to get back in the good graces of God. It's time to just sit at the feet of Jesus and let him fill you with his heart. I really want all of us to be intentional about this this week. I really challenge you guys to do this. That if you are intentional to allow the Holy Spirit the space, not just on a Sunday, but every day of the week, waking up early in the morning and going to bed at night, the first and the last voice you hear in the week is that of the Holy Spirit. I, I know, I know it, that you will see a change. Your circumstances may not change, just like Peter and John. The penalty of death loomed over their head. That didn't change. But their response changed. And you know what happened? Their enemies had nothing to say against them. They had nothing. They could have killed them. They had nothing to say. So let's try this, okay, first. As we, if you guys all want to stand up and worship with me one more time, let's stop the striving. Let's stop all that we're trying to do to get back in the good graces of God. And let's just sit at the feet of Jesus. And let's catch his heart.